to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock. No Eric Crocker with me today. Instead, I've got a very special guest. We're crossing this thing over with the Niners Nation community, Rob Guerrera, at Stats on Fire on Twitter, at BD Peacock is where you can find me on Twitter. And um, having, I think we're going to have a lot of fun today jumping into the chat and, and talking about the latest going on in the National Football League and with your San Francisco 49ers at training camp. Rob, thanks for jumping in. It's going to be a lot of fun, I think. it's. Uh, I think we actually fought about something earlier on in the offseason, but I fought about so many things <laughs> this year. I don't remember which one it is. It's probably Debo or Jimmy G or Trey Lance, right? Yeah, that's all the offseason was for 49ers fans, was just fights every day, seemingly. But no, I, you know, it's something that I discovered when I took this job a couple of years ago. That, like, there is an awesome 49ers community here. And like, yeah, we have different podcast networks, but like, it's just a really welcoming community. So it's cool to be a part of. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I don't look at the other, you know, writers and beat writers and content uh, creators and podcasters as enemies or competition. I mean, I think this is a really cool community. I, I think the 49ers have the best fan base in the NFL and uh, they can carry tons of different podcasts and love diff- tons of different opinions. So I'm stoked on it. And I'm already seeing tons of people jumping on live here and, and getting into the chat and they're pumped with it. I got to shout out Gammon, who was the first one. He was here long before we even got this thing going. Adam says, I'm ready. Love to see it. Everybody fired up here. So, I'm going to be at training camp this weekend for the first time this year, Rob. What do you think I should be looking for in particular? Is there something at camp that that maybe is flummoxing you a little bit about the San Francisco 49ers? Well, maybe I'm like just a naturally skeptical person born and raised on the East Coast. So I just always kind of give the side eye to everything. So like all we've been hearing at camp, right, is Brandon Ayuk is unbelievable. Like, okay. Is he really unbelievable? Let's see. I see all these Trey Lance numbers, right? He's, he's 8 of 15 today, 8 of 13, whatever, you know, whatever it was. Like, give me the context behind that. Is he just throwing three feet over guys' heads? Are they dropping passes? Like, you know, little things like that. That's what I would be looking for because I'm always looking, like, to go against the narrative or see if the narrative holds up is more accurate. Uh, James throwing shade at, at one of the games. <laughs> yes. Levin at home. That's right. Thank you, James. Right. I did leave Levin at home, and you're all better off for it. And I will tell him that the next time I speak with him. Uh, I, I think one of the funniest stories this offseason was the arm fatigue thing, which made it all the more just hilarious today when I saw the story about Matthew Stafford and his arm situation. And apparently legitimately has arm fatigue and might have to sit out of practice. The guy who just won the Super Bowl, people are instantly trying to put in the Hall of Fame. And he's actually the one with arm fatigue right now. So I can't wait to see what the the folks, the 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 haters of um of Trey Lance have to say about the actual arm fatigue of one Matthew Stafford. And it, what's funny is, and, and look, I try to be, I've, I've called myself Jimmy Garoppolo agnostic. I, I've tried to, you know, <laughs> I just try to tell the truth about what's really going on. And we don't know what Trey Lance is going to be at all, but it's really weird how people have to really feel like they have to be team Jimmy or team Trey. And they can't just see all the players for what they are and root for the guys that are on their team and hope the guy they have is, is the right guy. It's a, it's a really odd situation. The 49ers have fostered here with Jimmy Garoppolo, who's still somehow on the roster and Trey Lance. 
Yeah, I agree. It's mind-blowing that this is where we are. But you root for good quarterback play, right? That's all we really want. Do we really care if it comes from Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance? I never did, and that's something that I consistently said last year. Like, yeah, I wanted Trey to start from the moment he was drafted. But that doesn't mean I was rooting against Jimmy Garoppolo. If Jimmy was the guy, I wanted him to play well because we deserve good quarterback play, and we haven't had it at least – the way, you know, when I was growing up, it was Steve Young. Like, I was brought up on Steve Young. That's the quarterback play I want to see. And I didn't care where it came from. I don't think we got it from Jimmy. Hopefully, we get it from Trey. Yeah, I think part of the fan base was spoiled with going from Joe Montana to Steve Young. I mean, it's hard to replace Joe Montana, and Steve Young kind of did it. And it's really hard to replace both those guys and nobody has done it. Nobody's gotten there. But Trey Lance has the physical ability to do it. Kyle Shanahan is one of the best offensive minds in the league. So how that comes together is so fascinating. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, and there's a ton of teams that drafted first-round quarterbacks last year. And I think that is the storyline in the NFL this year is the second-year quarterbacks. It's not just Trey Lance. It's you know Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones and Justin Fields. And, you know of course, 49ers fans are going to be following the guys that they didn't get as well because everyone kind of drew lines in the sand pre-draft. And I know 49ers fans are pretty pumped on Trey Lance and, and for a good reason. But none of those guys are here yet. We don't know who the busts are going to be, who the superstars are going to be. It could be any, any of them in either way. It is kind of crazy how much we are depending on last year's draft class for this season. It's because Shanahan and Lynch both said multiple times before that draft, hey, this is going to be a really important draft for us. And now you look and you're like, well, Aaron Banks better be able to play left guard. Trey Lance better be able to play quarterback. Hopefully Elijah Mitchell can hold up for more than games than he did last year. Like there's a lot riding on that draft class. But when it comes to Lance, I do feel like the narrative has started to flip a little bit. I felt like before anybody was on the field, every other day, a national analyst or writer would would say, oh, I don't know about Trey Lance. I'm hearing this. What about that? Jimmy Garoppolo's not, you know, he, he might be the starter this year. But then once they got on the field, now I feel like whether it's Lewis Riddick or Pat McAfee or Damian Woody on ESPN this week. All of a sudden, everybody's jumping on Team Trey. It's really weird how it has flipped one way to the other way. Ferocious gentleman astutely points out that I failed to mention Davis Mills. I did not fail to mention (laughs) Davis Mills. Ferocious gentleman, you failed to hear me say first-round quarterbacks going into their second year. But Davis Mills, I think, qualifies, and he should be – he should be listed there as well because I think maybe the uh, who knows maybe the Texans found themselves a starter, and uh, I, I love the Davis Mills story this week where he said his mom was trying to to drum up some some merchandising and some maybe like a a, a turtleneck company to <laughs> oh, yeah. maybe you know throw some money at him to to wear their product and I love that so yeah he, he's the next one and he is uh, you know I, I think a surprise. And might have been the best quarterback in this draft this year if he waited a year at Stanford. So, you know, good job by the by the Texans to uh, to get some value there in the third round last year. Somebody said earlier, and now I can't find it, about beards. And they said, Rob, congrats on being the Rebel and being the only non-bearded 49ers podcaster. And I think there's something to it. There's so many 49ers podcasters that have beards right now. I'm going to be honest with you. Here it is. I can't. Like, this is all I got. I, it doesn't come in oh, anymore. It's, it's just patchy and it's terrible. I look like a 15 year old child trying to trying to grow facial hair. So 
I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to force it. So here we go. Clean shaven. I'd like to tell you that I'm a contrarian like that, but it's just, it's not, it's like Jimmy G trying to throw an out route. You know, it's just not happening. Okay. So you would be bearded if you can. Probably. Yes. Okay. Okay. I want to go to this story. This is from Jordan Roderick, who covers the Los Angeles Rams. And he says, I think a few things are true about this Matthew Stafford arm situation, and it's worth laying out the context as things currently stand. A few things can be simultaneously true, he says. And this is for everybody who was worried about the uh, the Trey Lance arm thing. Let, let, let's find out what, what, a, what a real arm problem is right now in training camp for the Los Angeles Rams. Stafford and the Rams are trying to manage an ongoing arm issue that clearly bothered him in spots last season, too. The Rams are aware of this and have him on a dramatically different management plan than they did last offseason. And look, Matthew Stafford has been dogged by injuries. There was a lot of losses that mounted up, and he was sort of the you know the 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 fantasy football hero. But the Detroit Lions didn't w- win a lot of games with Matthew Stafford. He tried to throw the ball to Jaquaski Tart in the 49ers and <laughs> and throw away the NFC Championship game last year when and you know the the entire conversation would be completely different if that did happen. Uh, but he's been injured a lot as well in his career. And, and it's something that people haven't really talked about over the course of the last year since he showed up with the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Jordan Roderick goes on to say, they probably don't want to make him throw at a high volume until he has to. When the Rams return to Thousand Oaks, California later this month and actually begin installing their game plan for Buffalo uh, and uh, an ongoing arm issue is legitimately a concern, though we don't know yet how big of a concern because when Stafford, Stafford has thrown, he's looked fine. And he goes on to say, to me, the Rams are trying to control everything they can while they can, because it's unknown whether this issue will escalate through the course of the season. Number two quarterback, by the way, in Los Angeles. Anybody in the chat? Rob, do you know who it is? John Wolford. John Wolford does. Dude, I did not expect you to get that because I did not know until I just read it. As soon as I heard there was a even a just a whisper about Matthew Stafford, I immediately was like, Rams week four. Who who might it be? Oh, it might be John Wolford. Because remember when Goff was hurt his last year there with the playoff game? It was it was Goff. It was Wofford. They were like going back and forth. And everybody was like, McVay likes this other dude better than Goff. And and then lo and behold, they got rid of Goff the next year. Well, some fans are are are, are taking these uh, training camp practice box scores to heart and see Nate Sudfeld completing seventy percent of his passes, see Trey Lance completing forty nine percent of his passes, and they probably want a John Wolford versus uh, Nate Sudfeld. <laughs> and I hope to God we do not get that. Who are these people? Like, do you, are you saying you want Nate Sudfeld to start? Is that really what you're saying? Because he has a better completion percentage in training camp, like. That's why I hate like there are some times of the year where Twitter is awesome, like free agency, NBA, free agency, trade deadline. Like it's great. I'm glued to it. But this is one of those times of year where it's just insufferable. I do not need to see the training camp statistics. I really, really don't. You know, Jason Aponte brought this up and I thought it was a really good point. He's like, it's not about what anybody does on one single day of camp. It's about what they do in the bigger picture. Are they progressing from the start of camp to the end of camp? And that's really what I want to know. I don't need the play-by-play. Oh, Trey Lance just Trey Lance just hit Tay Martin for a big pass down the sideline. Great. Like, so what? I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I mean, it happens every year. It's a small sample. It's a week worth of practices. Someone becomes a camp superstar and then disappears. Mm-hmm. Trent Taylor Memorial Award. Yep, absolutely. So um, it happens, but... 
you're a fan, you get excited. So I understand that part of it as well. Okay, next we're going to dive deeper into the chat here, talk about whatever you guys want to get into. I see some questions about the offensive line and uh, a number of other things on this crossover edition, Locked On 49ers and Niners Nation with Brian Peacock and Rob Guerrera. Jumping in with this live edition of Locked On 49ers crossover with Niners Nation and podcast host Rob Stats Guerrera. There was a question on Twitter earlier when we announced this podcast was going to happen. I think the folks want to know where'd you get the nickname Stats? Is it just because Florio and Chris Sims were bad at stats and you were good at them and you were producing their show? No, actually, I got that nickname before I was ever at NBC. When I was at ESPN Radio, I started as an intern there. And my first job was to just hand stats to people on the air during uh, college game day and during the NFL show on the radio. And so one day, a producer walked by and said, who's that kid in the studio? And the other person said, I don't know, stats. And so from then on, (laughs) nobody used my name at ESPN Radio. Nobody ever called me Rob to the point where when I was working on Mike and Mike for, I had worked on that show for like a couple of years. And Greeny, Mike Greenberg called in the morning and so when I pick up the phone at ESPN, I always said, ESPN Radio, this is Rob, because no one outside the building knew my nickname. Well, Greeny said, uh, hey, Rob, it's Greeny. Is Stats there? And I literally had to say to him, Greeny, this is Stats. Rob is my first name. So that's how like <laughs> no one ever used my actual first name. And so from then on, it's just been Stats. <laughs> yeah, Stats was not the name that Mama gave you. That's, no. Uh, this way. That's hilarious. It's funny because they're 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 not even speaking to a person. You know, when you're like in that environment too, and you're live, and there's so many people working on a show or something, you're just like you just yell stats. You just you want the, you want the stats, right? Stats. It's like that's not my name, but here's here's some stats. So I liked I, it. It's it's more memorable than Rob. I'll tell you. And by the way, thank you, Edgar. That's a nice compliment. <laughs> and you know what's funny? You're in Connecticut. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, and I, I feel like every time, like all my podcast hosts, either are East Coast or became east coasters and i've got uh you know, you're i'm talking to you in in connecticut the peacock and williamson nfl show i've got matt williamson who uh was just an og podcaster back in the day at espn former scout mm-hmm. you got to check out the peacock and williamson nfl show by the way folks if you have not talking about the league every single day here in the lockdown podcast network He's in Pittsburgh, so we're having trouble all the time trying to figure out what time of day that we can record that works for both of us. Because, you know, it's like I'm not doing anything before noon Eastern. It's like 9 a.m. my time. It's like I'm not going to jump on at 6 a.m. and start recording podcasts. I don't even know what the hell's going on at 9 a.m., let alone 6 a.m. Um, and then Crocker moves from California over to Arkansas. He's doing big things in Arkansas, by the way, but uh, and he's really good about timing. So we're able to get things together. Croc, by the way. On his way right now to California, which is why he's not on this podcast. We are going to be at training camp this weekend, both of us. And we're going to have a whole bunch of fun checking out what's going on. Edgar says, never thought I'd see this. You are two of my favorite podcasts for Niners content. Thank you very much, Edgar. I appreciate it. There we it. go. And Croc, like, stock down, man. You're missing out. I'm I'm kind uh, of bummed he's not here. Too much travel. I, I like that he's traveling this time because I'm going to meet up with him in Santa Clara. And we're going to be able to get our eyes on some of these uh, players at 49ers camp. Tony says, I'd be curious to hear Peacock's take on seeing players up close that he scouted on tape versus how they look live. Well, Tony, I can tell you how that's going to go because I don't miss. They're going to look exactly like they look on tape. So that's simple. That's wow. Nice. That, that's a heavy burden to carry, that 100% success rate. 
<laughs> How's Javon Kinlaw looking in camp? I don't know. He hasn't been on the field enough to to really know. And that's that's been the major problem with Javon Kinlaw since he was drafted is he hasn't been on the field. We haven't been able to see that, you know, that massive upside that he has, that physical ability, which is clear. He walks into a room and you're like, oh, my gosh, this guy's this guy must be amazing, but he hasn't been able to put that on the field yet. And earlier this week, D'Amico Ryans, and this is something I've seen from him. This is something that, you know, going back to his college tape, this was an issue is his technique. You know, he, he wins with I'm bigger and stronger than you. And that's how I beat you, but you still got to win with technique in the NFL. I'm, I'm kind of down on Kinlaw. I really am. You know, Matt Mayoko was on KMBR today and they asked for an update and I feel like he wanted to, like give a positive update. So he started talking about how much healthier he is now that they did the knee surgery and he's really good. And then he finished the answer by saying, well, he's probably just a two down player. And it's like, man, we, this is the 14th overall pick we're talking about. And now he's going to be reduced to a two down player. Like not only the 14th overall pick, this is DeForest Buckner. We're talking about, right. And they gave him Buckner's number for God's sake. And Buckner was technique motor the iron man on the field all the time yep and clearly you know obviously you saved a lot of money in this but generally that doesn't work out and um he has an opportunity maybe do a little one technique does javon kinlaw but we'll see he, he does have some work to do even if he's healthy just as a player with the technique to become the guy that i think the 49ers hoped he was going to be but i think in chris kosarek's defense you can and clearly technique is important, but I think you can lack in some areas and just get after it and impress your gap and, and attack, play the run on the way to the pass. And I think you can like Chris Caceres is so good at getting a lot out of guys. So if Kimball is just healthy and is able to put some games together, I think we'd see a lot out of them. But I think it might be some time and maybe we will never see what the 49ers hope they were going to get out of that number 14 overall pick. I, I think that's pretty accurate. You're still 100% on so far on your predictions. I, I feel like if he, at minimum, is just a guy that can hold the line, right? There's a role for that on this team. You can let Fred Warner and Aziz Alshire and Dre Greenlaw and those guys make plays. So, like, if that's his floor, that's okay. But I, I had higher hopes when he was initially picked, and I don't I agree. I don't know that we'll ever see that version of Javon Kinlaw. Uh, I don't like to do this. We're going back to back with Adam. He asks the 49ers are trying out three offensive linemen. Any significance? And I would say, yes, the significance is the 49ers are probably starting to get pretty darn worried about their offensive line, especially the unknowns in the interior and the knowns at the bookends haven't been in practice a lot. And we know Trent Williams is going to be awesome when he's out there, but look, Trent Williams himself has only played 16 games in an NFL season twice in his career. And he was hurt last year at the end of the year. So there's a real chance that the 49ers are walking out there with five new starters in some games versus what they had last year with the team that they're, you know, they're, they're, they're week one starting offensive line from the year before. And that's never a good thing. Yeah, well, I mean, that's been the story of this 49ers team under Kyle Shanahan injuries. When Shanahan took over, they were the 10th most injured team in the league in 2017. And that was the best injury law Kyle Shanahan has ever had since then. They were the fourth most injured, sixth most injured, most injured in 2020, and last year they were the third most injured team. So it's it's not a one-off situation. The 49ers depend on a lot of guys that are not always super reliable. Trent Williams, you mentioned. George Kittle gets banged up. Debo gets banged up. 
We saw what happened with Jason Verrett last year. The poor guy can't even play two games in a season without getting hurt. Ricky Mostert, we saw. So, you, I mean, you know all the all the names. Injuries as you have just been a fact of life under Kyle Shanahan, and it's amazing that they had those two years last year and in 2019 where they were able to overcome. Oh, there's so many good questions here. Um, Jordan Mason, the undrafted running back out of Georgia Tech. Look, if you're in a Kyle Shanahan offense, it, let, let me put it this way. Draft the running back three every year <laughs> in your fantasy leagues in a Kyle Shanahan offense, and, and Jordan Mason's beyond running back three, and he'll probably have to start this season out on the uh, on the the practice squad. But from what I saw from Jordan Mason, the undrafted running back, I saw like – just look, I'm a scouting department of one when I'm looking at prospects, right? And so you spend a few minutes on a guy. If he doesn't pop for you, you kind of move on. And then after the draft, the 49ers draft somebody, you go back and watch him. And he just, he never really popped for me on film. There, there's nothing that stood out to me. He's like, okay, this guy's got this one thing that's going to carry him. But he was kind of pretty good at a lot of things. And I think that's enough to be a fine NFL running back, at least a reserve NFL running back. So I would not be shocked at all if Jordan Mason at some point was on the 49ers roster. I think he's got to start on the practice squad. But I didn't really see any certain amount of explosion or power, you know, any combination of things where I was like, oh, watch out for this guy. He's going to be something. But he definitely had enough of a lot of things where I think he can absolutely stick in the NFL and look, running backs don't matter. And uh, I don't don't know. I, I would have rather had undrafted Jordan Mason than third round Ty Davis price unless Ty Davis price because something becomes something a lot more uh, than I expect him to be. And he's a fine prospect too. I just thought it was a little bit too high versus some of the other players. The 49ers could have had there in round three. Yeah, I, I agree that like some running back is going to pop. Uh, I've actually heard good things about Jordan Mason so far in camp from uh, Kyle Posey, who's one of the people there for Niners nation and Jordan Elliott pointed this out. Mason broke 44 uh, broke a tackle on 44 percent of his rushing attempts in 2021 that was the highest in the nation so like yeah we we can find room for that guy on the depth chart like sorry jermichael hasty you kind of had your chance here maybe we give jordan mason an opportunity you know he's gonna play all these running backs are gonna play and i haven't really heard anything about ty davis price so far in the training camp and that's kind of the scariest thing of all is that when you just don't hear anything about a player he's just kind of there and it's hard at the beginning of the camp, too, because you don't really, especially I thought the offensive line would bounce back a little bit more once pads came on. And there have been a little bit, uh, I think, a few more highlights, especially in one on ones and some things like that. But I expected the running backs maybe to come out with some some uh, w- with a bang when the, the pads came on. Haven't really heard that as much. It's been a lot of Brandon Ayuk since the pads came on, which is kind of odd. Um so we'll see what that looks like with the running backs, and we'll see what that looks like when they're playing against other teams and in preseason games. But you kind of need the game, the flow of the game, to be able to use that vision and use that power and use all the things that a running back needs. So I think we'll learn a lot more about the running back position in those preseason games. And I don't care who it is. Like, I don't think it has to be Elijah Mitchell this year. Like, whoever they want to throw back, I don't think Mitchell has, like, a stranglehold on the spot. I really don't. I wouldn't be shocked at all if early in the year we start to see, like, he's kind of – not phased out, but not necessarily like the workhorse guy like he was last year. It's hard. He's because he's he's got some bursts to him that if the 49ers don't have a, a really Kyle Shanahan style outside zone back on the roster aside from him like they've had in the past. And whoever has the burst is the player who's the best in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And clearly they're trying to get a little bit more powerful and and maybe be better at getting the tough yards. But I think Elijah Mitchell can do that as well. I think he's the clear running back one. I just don't know what it's going to look like behind him. And when Kyle Shanahan likes a guy, he runs him. But 
it kind of runs him into trouble and then has to use multiple <laughs> running backs per year. So his his running back by committee isn't everybody in one game. It's just a different guy in multiple spots during the season because nobody can end up staying healthy. Remember last year, Elijah Mitchell was questionable and, and not even practicing during the week. He got 27 carries one week and he was a game time decision, you know? <laughs> so that's, that's classic Kyle Shanahan right there. And then all of a sudden it became the Debo Samuel show at the end of the year. Yeah, that was the only reason the Debo really ended up in the backfield was because they they were desperate for a guy that could make a big play and the running backs were dropping like flies. Uh, so, you know, there's all this talk about like Debo this year and we'll see him some. But I again, I, I never thought that that was the plan last year. And I don't think it's the plan this year, although it's nice to know that you, you know, in your back pocket have a guy that scored 13 of his 16 touchdowns last year from 10 yards away or more, which is <laughs> absurd. Uh, Debo Samuel's magical getting to the point. <laughs> I, I don't know how he's able to do it. All right. Uh, more of your questions, seeing so much in the chat. Appreciate all of you guys in the, in the, the live stream with us. Some questions about Trey Lance playing in the preseason, Ambry Thomas, uh, special teams. I don't know if we want to go down that road right now. It should be an improved unit and Jimmy G maybe to Cleveland or maybe to Pittsburgh. We'll get to all those subjects. If we got time, I want to get this question out of the way and mostly because uh, and this is a very smart, smart listener of the show, knowing that uh, one of my favorite all time San Francisco 49ers is Richie James uh, calling himself James Richie here. But I see you. He says, how is our special teams looking this year? Kicker and punter. I know you're a special teams guy stats. <laughs> what do you think? Hold on. What could Richie James possibly have done? in his tenure with the 49ers to earn such love from you. Well, I'll tell you, he was the first ever San Francisco 49ers player to be a guest on locked on 49ers. Okay. All yeah. right. That the makes sense. The summer before his rookie year started after he was drafted by the 49ers. Um, and I always thought there was something there. I always thought there was a little more there on offense with him. He was sort of relegated to special teams, and a return man, and he was okay at that. But I thought he had something. And I have a feeling if he would have shown up a year before someone like Kendrick Bourne rather than a year after, he might have got a little stranglehold on the position, would have been maybe used as that slot weapon. I thought there was more on offense. And he's been running with the ones. He was signed off the street. They drafted a second rounder in New York with the Giants uh, in Wandale Robinson. They drafted a first rounder the year before in Kadarius Tony. Richie James shows up to the New York Giants this year. He's running with the ones in camp at times. So not Richie James ain't done. I, it's sort of a joke. And I obviously I know G, Richie James isn't the next Jerry Rice or anything, but I've always been fond of the player and he he came on the podcast. So guys like Richie James. And by the way, if you guys haven't heard the the podcast with Tabor Pepper, learning a lot about long snapping in the NFL this offseason, quickly becoming one of my favorite current San Francisco 49ers. But, I mean, the 49ers better be a lot better on special teams. New special teams coordinator. They spent money on multiple free agents. Their second and third biggest free agent purchases this year were Oren Burks and George Odom to help out on special teams. That's not about how much they play defense, although they're, I think, nice depth pieces on defense as well. They went out and spent uh, money on Ray Ray McLeod to be a return man as well. So they better be a lot better on special teams because that was the number one focus this offseason for the team. Yeah, I mean, don't listen to what they say. Listen to what they do, right? And you just laid it out. There were two priorities for this team, cornerback and special teams. So they have loaded up. Uh, I did not, I wanted to see them get off the Mitch Wishnowski train and draft the punt god. 
Matt or what is it? Matt Ariza was Ariza, yeah, from uh, San Diego State. From San Diego right? State, and he fell all the way to the second round. He wasn't even the first punter drafted. I was shocked. I was like desperate for that. I was like, please take him. He kicks field goals too. So my thinking was, you get rid of Wichnowski, you bring him in. Then when Robbie Gold's contract's up after next year, boom, he does both, and then you save a roster spot. It worked out. It would have been beautiful. But I mean, do you have faith in Robbie Gold? I have faith in him in the playoffs. In the regular season, sometimes I I do worry. Uh, you do start to worry at some point just because he's been around for a long time. Does he start to break down? We've seen him even have some injuries and Wishnowski had to try to kick a field goal, which he, he did admirably, I think. So that's what kind of worries me about Robbie Gold is just because of the age. But, I mean, I, w- when it comes to kickers, just give me the guy who's been there before. I don't care how big his leg is. So I'm fine with Robbie Gold. Uh, at some point, though, you're, they're paying him a lot of money. they got to pay a lot of other guys. they got to probably get a younger kicker in there. But I- I'm fine with Robbie Gold for another year. And Mitch Wisnowski's okay, too. Like, I don't hate on Wish- Mitch Wisnowski. I thought it was insane they drafted him with the fourth-round pick. That's the only part I didn't like about Mitch Wisnowski um, and that he was – Mitch Wisniewski, by the way, he's going into the last year of his rookie deal this year, I think. He's already 30 years old. He turned 30 this offseason. Wow. I did yeah. not know that. He was a very old prospect coming out. He's older than Bradley Pinion, who he replaced. That's so weird. The thing with him is, I've been waiting since they drafted him. He was like an Aussie rules football player. I have been waiting for the punt fake with Mitch Wisniewski forever, and it's never happened. Can we do it once? I heard this guy was yeah. like, you know pretty good like let's see something throw something at me let's make those new special teams people work there's some athleticism there and i do like how he bucks the trends of american football players and he wears the long sleeves it looks kind of odd because nobody has the long sleeves anymore (laughs) but i like it he's got his own style you know um he he seems like a cool guy he he has hit stick a couple of return men um but then rung his own bell, I think, one time as well. But <laughs> I would like to see him run the ball a little bit. That'd be fun. Yeah. Just because he's clearly not, you know, a game-changing punter. But he's fine. Like, And that's the point of why you don't draft a punter in the fourth round is because unless they're just unbelievably amazing, they're not going to change the game for you. Just get a guy who's good. Yeah, like when – shout out to Robbie Gold. When he comes in in that Rams game and he had two huge punts for the 49ers in that game. Like, he came in and did a better job than Wisnowski did last year. You know, he he had a weird year. The first half of the year, Mitch was awesome. He was booming punts. And I don't know what I don't know what happened. I know I think he had a child during the year. And so maybe things, you know, that it's a big adjustment. Different. Something happened though. He was not the same guy later in the season than he was early in the season. Robbie Gold came in and I was like, Gold's just as good. Well, luckily the 49ers have the best long snapper in the NFL. Yeah, they do. So they're good there. How much do you think Trey Lance plays in the preseason? He needs reps. He should play a lot, but I think he, you could argue that he should play more than any other starting quarterback in the NFL because he needs reps, but you, you want to protect him a little bit. There's a reason why a lot of starting starting quarterbacks aren't going to play a lot. And in fact, we're going head up against the, the hall of fame game tonight. And I think we're holding up pretty well. I think we're holding up pretty well against, uh, against them live right now. That game was delayed because of weather. I know there was some severe oh. weather in the area. That's how um, little I paid attention to it because well, I don't need to see any more of CJ Beathard playing. That's what it deserves is really. But I actually was, was debating this the other day. The thing I'll say about Lance is I've always felt like reps solve a lot of the problems that he has. And I feel like every time we've seen him, he gets better the longer he plays. And so, yeah, I want him in there. I, I, but I know that Kyle was really upset with kind of the scheduling of the preseason because the 49ers have three games in 12 days. 
in the preseason, which is nuts. So I think that might just, you know, in general affect how Kyle Shanahan deploys the guys. It's really weird to have three games in 12 days and then have like 17 days off before the regular season starts. It's so odd. It's, it's really odd. So what do you do? Do you, because usually you would skip the last game and let the guys who are fighting for those final spots play most of the last game. But do you think the 49ers maybe skip the middle game, play more guys in games one and two, and then there's the joint practices before that second preseason game with the Vikings too, which are pretty important. So maybe you just rest everybody in the second game, let them play week three of the preseason more so than uh, skipping one and two and only really having your guys out there for one preseason game. And Kyle has made no secret of the fact that he does not really care as much about preseason games as he does practice. He values practice way more, especially the joint practice. And it kind of makes sense because like you can set it up specifically to see how guys perform in situations, right? In a preseason game, you're like, okay, I hope Trey Lance gets a two-minute drive at the end of the first half, but it might not happen just because of the game script. But in practice, you just set it up. Okay, two-minute situation, X number of timeouts, and you go and you see how they play. So I think Kyle's going to be very, very careful with how he deploys guys this year. Drewish guy says, would y'all be (laughs) okay for trading Jimmy straight up for Trubisky or Brissett, save some money, and they don't have to look over his shoulder, and and Trey doesn't have to look over his shoulder? I mean, just cut him at that point. Like, what's the point? Because uh, Trubisky's making like $9 million or something. He's making like decent backup money to be a starter. And I, I think the – I don't know how much of that is guaranteed. If I'm the Steelers, because apparently Trubisky's looked awful in Steelers camp, the Steelers might just say, you know what, never mind. Let's cut mm-hmm. Trubisky and go spend a mid-round pick on Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I have said that. I've said that the Pittsburgh made the most sense for Garoppolo. Plus, I think he would look spectacular in that Steeler uniform yeah. with the 5 o'clock shadow. But I would trade Jimmy Garoppolo for a player named Trubisky Brissett at this point. Like, just go. Just <laughs> go. I, I I don't care. Like, I, I'm just ready for that to not even. I would like to do an interview at some point where he's not even mentioned. And we're over so far. James Ritchie back with the question. I can answer this one. He says, what's Crocker's swag rating on our punter? I ain't going to try to spell his name. Uh, Wisnowski, that's not that hard to spell. Uh, his Crocs swag rating on Wisnowski is zero points. <laughs> Has there ever been a punter with swag rating? Who was the punter for the Raiders a while oh, back? Uh, King. Almost t- uh, K- Marquette uh, King? Marquette, yes, that is who it was, yeah. He had a he he had a strut to him on the field. He he played this position a little bit different. And McAfee, Pat McAfee too. Oh, he and McAfee, George Jefferson, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's gotten even more. Although you know what, McAfee's podcast swag is not great. The black tank top. Yeah, I feel like it's not a good look, and it, that's the only thing he rocks. I haven't really got the backstory on that, but. I don't know. Maybe he just sweats it up a lot because he's always moving around during his podcast. Yeah, that's true. He's he's up and animated. Maybe somebody who watches more than me could give me some. Uh... McPherson has kicker swag. I don't even know who McPherson is. So for the Bengals. Oh, the Bengals. Oh, yeah. The rookie. He lad. was the guy that came out in the AFC championship <laughs> game and, and looked at his teammate and was like, well, guess we're going to the Super Bowl. And then he kicks him into the Super Bowl. That's he, that's swag. And he watched the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah. <laughs> Came out of the locker room and sat on the the bench, which is awesome because what the hell are you going to gain being a punter in the locker room? He knows what he's got to do. Yeah, I I agree. He's he's probably leads the league now in in punter swag for sure. 
as a rookie, just out of the gate, too. That's awesome. Like, good for him. It's better when guys have personalities like that, don't you think? Like, that's why I, I'm excited to see Trey. I feel like since he's, you know, been given the reins here, he's kind of been showing more of his personality. Jimmy was always very straight-laced, very New England Patriot. I like it better when guys have personalities. Even Baker Mayfield, you might think he's not very good, but he's interesting. I think he's fun. Like I think he makes the league more interesting. Give me more of that, please. Yeah, I, I like a lot of Baker Mayfield as long as he's not my quarterback. Agreed. That's the way I would put that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I enjoy watching him from afar. Yes. I would say that's accurate. Keep him far away. From the, the 49ers. Uh, all right, Adam, the Jerry Rice of question askers. We're going to go back to him. He says, everyone is saying the 49ers have great cornerback depth, but if Jason Verrett stays injured and a starting QB misses who's the next guy up, uh, Amber, to- oh, and I think he means starting CB. Starting misses. Cornerback. Okay. Uh, Amber, to- Ambry Thomas has been getting roasted in. (laughs) Typos aside, Adam, it's a good question. And Amory Thomas, because he started out so slow. Diomedor Lenore was the the rookie star of camp, which is another, like, you know, it's a cautionary tale. And who was the, um, I'm drawing a blank on on the wide receiver last year, who was the star of training camp and then disappeared. Trent Sherfield. Trent Sherfield. Oh, yeah. And he started week one instead of IU was in the doghouse. And then it disappeared. So you can't take too much from camp. But Ambry Thomas was really had some momentum going at the end of last year. So I'm kind of shocked at, at how bad the reports are on him. And, and Croc is definitely going to have his eyes on Ambry Thomas and scouting the defensive backfield this weekend. So we'll get a little bit more on him and not just with the times he's targeted. But I'm pretty disappointed what I've heard from Ambry Thomas. The 49ers have depth in that they have a lot of guys. But I think outside of Mosley and Ward, there's still a ton of question marks. So it's a good question. Yeah, Mosley and Ward and Verrett can do anything. Like it's such a this is like the biggest difference to me. Last year the 49ers went into the season needing Jason Verrett to stay healthy. They there was nothing. There was no safety net there. He got hurt and Josh Norman ended up coming in off the street and playing games for the 49ers which was a disaster. This year Jason Verrett is back, but he's the cherry on top of the Sunday. He's not the ice cream. Now, you know, if he gives them five games or six games, all of a sudden you're like, that's awesome. Because then you've got Jason Verrett and, and Charvarius Ward, who looks incredible every day. We get an update about how amazing he's looking. And then Mosley there as, as number three, essentially. Now you're like, this is the best secondary Kyle Shanahan has had. Maybe combined with the pass rush. Now you've got a, a defense that can carry Trey Lance to victory the first few weeks of the year. 49er fan 86 says, speaking of Thomas, who will have the better year, Aaron Banks or Ambry Thomas? It better yeah, be Aaron, Aaron Banks has the best opportunity to play the most. Was that enough rope to hang yourself kind of thing? You know, because he, he better be good if he's going to be a starting offensive lineman. We got a second year quarterback. I'm a little bit worried about Aaron Banks. I got to be honest. I was. But I do put a lot of certain guys. I put a lot of stock in what they say. Jimmy Ward is one because like Jimmy Ward just doesn't give a bleep and he'll just say anything. And he's not a BSer. like he will tell it like it is. So I value what he says. And the other guy is Trent Williams. Every time Trent Williams tells us somebody's going to be good, they are. He told us last year before the year started that Bosa looks better than ever. And Bosa had 15 and a half sacks and led the league in tackles for loss. He said, Elijah Mitchell hits me when he runs into the line like Adrian Peterson hits me. And Elijah Mitchell had 1,100 yards from scrimmage last year. So 
Trent Williams has said he thinks Aaron Banks could be really, really good. And he just doesn't throw stuff out there lightly like that. So that gave me a little faith. Like, all right, maybe there is something here. And he's kind of locked down that left guard spot in camp. He's just been the guy and he's held on to it. And, and don't forget, Kyle Shanahan said that there was going to be musical uh, musical chairs along the interior of the offensive line. Well, Banks has been sitting in his chair all camp. And that's going to be one of the, I think, biggest things to watch in in a camp when I'm there this weekend and those preseason games is how that interior offensive line looks because that is so important because Trey Lance can just can't have pressure in his face all day. He can't. All right. Rob Guerrero, stats as he is known. I appreciate you jumping on the podcast, doing a little Niners Nation Locked On 49ers crossover uh, out the door, can you let the folks out there know exactly what's going on with the Niners Nation podcasts? And Gammon has a question for you. <laughs> says, Rob, you're in control of Niners Nation staff for a day. You have to marry one, fire one, and promote one. What okay, well, fire one's easy. Levin's gone. Yeah. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, Levin. Promote one? I'll give promote one to Jason Aponte, who just recently joined us uh, after Javi Vega had to step away. Jason is awesome. He's been at camp for us. The guys all hustle. I love Jason Aponte, so I'll promote Jason Aponte and love Jason, friend of this program as well, and he might even be creeping in the in the live. Uh huh. Out there, Jason, say hi. Mary one. That's tough. Kyle Posey is a pretty snazzy dresser, so I might have to go with Kyle Posey. Although I might have to go with Michelle Majuk because she is the star of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. So I'll give it to Michelle just because I want to tick Kyle off a little bit. Already married, though, to... I know. From the Locked On Podcast Network. Yes. So, you know, I don't know what would happen there. But look, this is the box that that Gammon (laughs) put me in. So, And where can folks find all of that great content? By the way, I'm also married, too. So, you know, there is that. Um, So you can find me at Niners Nation Podcast Network. Of course, we do shows every weekday, two shows every weekday. And then on the SB Nation NFL show as well, uh, we do three shows a week there. I host two of them on Wednesdays and Fridays. So there's plenty of me to go around. No more Levin comments, please. I've seen this multiple times, people trying to call you the wet blanket. No, Levin, I call Levin the human wet blanket. Oh, you call him the wet, okay. You yes. need, so you need the wet blanket. Okay, I that's see. That's exactly who he is. No matter what happens, he always poo-poos it and just, he's the human wet blanket. Really? Okay. I, I wouldn't have considered you the most positive guy either. You are the most positive guy on that podcast. It's <laughs> an interesting dynamic. That's, everyone always says that about me. And I it bugs me because I don't want, like, that's not my goal. I'm not trying to be, but when I see things I don't like, I vocalize them and people think I I do that too much, I guess, or too frequently. I'm working on it. Well, you, know, you be you, Rob. There you go. 